We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 again this morning, so if you would find your place there, Galatians chapter 5. Um, walking is something that we typically take for granted until we can't. Some of you have been there. Some of you will be there. Uh, last December, my wife had surgery on her right foot. And then she was put in a cast, and she couldn't walk. She couldn't put weight on that for weeks. And she used one of these rollators, and she put her right knee up on that and pushed off with her left foot, and that's how she got around it wasn't easy, but you don't, re you don't really think about not walking until you're not walking, right? And for whatever reason, there are sometimes limitations or uh, whether it's surgery or some other type of injury, and then all of a sudden you find that walking, uh, we really ought not to take that for granted. Uh, it depends on our physical condition. And from my wife, it was a rollator. For some, it's crutches. Maybe it's a walker. Whatever it might be, there are, there are aids in helping people walk when they are struggling to do that. I want to suggest that, spiritually speaking, our walk in Christ and our walk by the Spirit can be a struggle. And let me just say, we need help with that. We don't just naturally walk well as believers, as Christians. We need assistance when it comes to that. Sin, sin breaks our stride. Sin trips us up. Sin makes us fall. And it, it really hurts our walk. But we're called to walk worthy of the Lord, Ephesians 4.1. And, by the way, if, if God calls us to do something, can we do that? Yeah. We, we can. He's called us to walk worthy of Him. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, Paul writes that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, if we live with His enablement, if we live in the environment of the Spirit, and we walk with Him, but then, and then Paul says, we're to keep in step with Him. You know, it's possible to walk and not keep in step. Some of you have been in marching bands, or you've been in the military, and it's one thing to walk, it's another thing to keep in step, right? We don't always do that. And keeping in step physically can be difficult. It all depends on our stride and our stamina. So when my son, who's now, how old is John? 43, okay. When he was three, uh, I would grab hold of his hand and we'd start walking. But he was, he was too small and uh, his stride was too short and his stamina wasn't very good, and he had a hard time keeping in step with me as his dad. Okay? And, and that's true of most children. It's sometimes a challenge to keep in step with one whose stride is longer and stronger. 
But I want to suggest that we have been called by God to walk by the Spirit and to live in the Spirit, and we are expected by God to keep in step with Him, to track well spiritually with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if God expects us to do that, then we can. Then we can. I'm not going to have you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, but there Paul commands believers to walk in love, walk in love, live. The word walk has the idea of how we live, how we behave, how we conduct ourselves. So we are to live in love as children of light. John wrote that believers are to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. In 1 John 2, 6, we are told that whoever abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way he walked. Now, I want that to sink in. If, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you would say, I'm, I'm trying to abide, trying to remain, trying to continue in Christ, has it ever occurred to you that God expects you to walk or to live in the same way His Son did? Now, when I say that, I don't say that glibly. To me, that's rather intimidating. It's like, oh. To keep in step with the Spirit, we must live or walk like Jesus. And at this point, I'm going, whoa, hold on. I mean, spiritually speaking, Jesus' stride and stamina is, is far greater than mine. I mean, how in the world can God expect me to walk like Christ? How can He do that? But He does. How in the world are we to do that? Some may say, there's no way. I'm going to do the best I can, but there's no way I'll ever really walk or live like Christ. Um, well, keeping in step with the Spirit, walking and living like Christ, here's the good news. We can do that. It's possible. In fact, it's, it's expected of God's people. And... The way we learn to walk like Christ is to watch how He walked, to observe His life. Uh, Jesus led His 12 disciples by example, and He called them to what? To follow Him, follow me, follow me, do as I do. And that's what God has called us to do. So, how he lived his life on earth and what his walk looked like is what we're going to look at today in terms of keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, I want us to look, we're going to be going through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we look at the life of Christ that is recorded by these four Gospel writers. And life in the Spirit is all about Christian living. And I want to ask you this morning, and I've been asking myself, what does that look like? And if God expects us to walk like Christ, uh, what, what did that look like? And is it possible for me to look at the life of Christ and then walk the way He did or live the way He did, knowing I'm not Him? I mean, I... Uh, but I'm expected to walk like Him. Hmm. Well, I want to suggest several things that Jesus did uh, the way he lived, the way he walked, that we can do too. And it will help us. 
as we learn to keep in step with the Spirit and walk like Christ. So turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to depart from Galatians 5 for uh, a while here as we go through the four Gospels. But Mark chapter 1, in verses 20, 21 to 35, we read about just a really busy day in the life of Jesus. Really busy. A lot going on. Um, how many of you had a busy day yesterday? Like, like, man, I just wish I had had about three more hours in the day. Right. Just busy. Maybe today's going to be a busy day. I don't know. We have busy days. Jesus had a busy day. Look at verse 21. It says that they um, went into Capernaum immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. So he's teaching on this day. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately, by the way, Mark likes that word. Okay, immediately, immediately, immediately. It's a fast-paced gospel. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now it goes on, verse 29. Immediately, he left, this is all the same day, he, he left the synagogue entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. It's like, can you feel the press? Like, hey, gee, wait, come, come over here. Wait, wait a minute. you got to help here. Well, you have time for this. That was kind of what was going on. <clears throat> so he came and he took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she started serving them. Picture this. She's been laying in bed, high fever, listless, helpless. All of a sudden, the fever's gone, and now she's up fixing a meal. That evening, same day, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. But there's a lot packed into that verse. All who were sick and oppressed by demons. That's a lot of people. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and... He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And his time had not yet come. That was all in one day. You, you think you have a busy day. This is one day in the life of Christ. Now look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, the next day, I don't know about you, I probably want to sleep in. I've been exhausted. But rising very early in the morning, while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The language of Mark 1.35 is, okay, this wasn't like, okay, I'm... He did this once. No, he did this regularly. This was his habit. This was his pattern. Regardless of what happened the previous day, he got up early before sunrise, went out, found a desolate place, a solitary place, and there he prayed. 
All that to say this. Jesus had a daily quiet time. He did. He, he met with his father. He got up before sunrise. He went out to some solitary place, some desolate place, where he could be alone, undistracted. And he did this on the heels of an exhausting day. He still got up. And he did this. And he had time with his Heavenly Father. The idea of desolate means solitary, uninhabited. Maybe it was a desert, maybe it was a wilderness. I, I don't know where this was. But there he was alone with the Father. Now you say, well, oh yeah, he's, he's Jesus. I mean, he's the Son of God, right? Sure, he could do this. He was a man. He was a human being. He was fatigued. He was exhausted physically. But he still got up. And he did this. And there he was alone with the Father. I mean, he made a habit. He just made a habit of having a daily quiet time, even after a busy day. Now, do you and I do that? Do you, and I'm, asking, I'm including myself. Do, do we have a daily quiet time? You say, what is that? Well, it's, let's not make it too hard, okay? It's just carving out time in your day to read God's Word and to talk to the Lord, for Him to talk to you through His Word, for you to talk to Him through prayer. And, and you just try to do that somewhere where it's not going to be so distracting. Okay? I don't know where that is for you. I mean, it could be the back porch, could be the kitchen table, uh, could be in the car when you're driving, eyes open, okay? I mean, it could be a number of different places. could be your bedroom. Um, do you have a solitary, intimate, quiet time with the Father? Because to do that is to walk like Jesus did and to keep in step with the Spirit of God. Now, I typically am up before sunrise. Uh, you say, whoa. No, it's because I can't sleep. Okay, at my age, you can't sleep in anymore. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm retired. I could, but I can't, all right? So I'm typically up before sunrise, and I, I go to my recliner. And that's my daily quiet time. That's when I, undistracted, no noise, it's quiet. And I, I don't know, for, maybe it's at night for you. It doesn't, there's nothing super spiritual about doing in the morning. I mean, that's when Jesus did it, before his day got going. That's when I do it before my day gets going. But maybe it's some other time of the day. All I'm saying is this. Do you have a time when you are alone with your Heavenly Father, letting Him talk to you out of His Word and you talking to Him and just sharing your heart and telling Him everything, everything that's going on in your life? That's one way we can walk like Jesus. Here's another way. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus resisted temptation. If we're going to walk like Him, if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, we need, we need to resist temptation. 
in our lives. We need to. Well, how did Jesus do that? Let's take our cues from him. Okay? Jesus was tempted. By the way, I am convinced that Jesus felt the press and pressure of temptation more than we do. The reason I say that is because, yes, he was the Son of God, but he was a human being, and he was absolutely holy and absolutely pure, but he was still a human being, and I think the press of temptation was more violating, potentially violating and, and aggravating to his soul than it would be to ours. You know, if you're out working like I was yesterday, doing yard work and whatever, and you're getting sweaty and dirty and whatever, uh, to get a little more dirty, what's a big deal? I'm already dirty, right? But if I'm, okay, I'm like this, and I go do yard work, it's like, nah, not like this, you know? When you are absolutely holy, I mean, the, the presence and effect and pressure of sin is even greater. But he resisted that. So how did he do that? Look at Luke chapter 4. <coughs> it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that's key to being able to resist temptation. Full of the Holy Spirit. He returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Relentlessly, every day, 40 days, tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. When they were ended, he was hungry, and the devil said, if you're the Son of God, and you know the rest of the story here. So Jesus was tempted. He felt temptation. By the way, we do know, according to Hebrews chapter 4, that in every way that we experience temptation, he did too. Okay. But he never sent. We do. We do sin. We, we do give in. He didn't. See, how, how did he not do it? Well, he was the son. No. How did he not do that? He used scripture. He quoted scripture. In the face of temptation, he could recall scripture. And that diffused the temptation in his life. And he was praying. I, I think the combination of God's word and prayer is the deterrent to temptation in our lives. The thing is, do we do that in the moment? Do we think God's Word? Do we think to talk to the Lord? Or maybe we're just kind of enjoying the, the temptation and we'd like to enjoy the sin too. I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. But here Jesus, He resists the temptation. He uses the Word of God. And I want to suggest that if we're going to walk like Him, we need to resist temptation. And we can do that. We can do that by the grace of God if we're full of the Holy Spirit, if we're in the Word of God, if we're talking to Him. And you say, well, you know what? You can never get away from the basics in the Christian life. The basic walk of Christ was talking to His Heavenly Father, and He knew the Scriptures. You read through the Scriptures and you realize Anybody who was ever successful in resisting temptation was in the Word of God and talked to the Father. That's just basic. That's how he did it. 
And when we pray, we seek the help of our Father God who is so faithful. You know what He's going to do? He's going to show you a way out. He's going to give you a way of escape if you want it. And that's the key question. Do I want to escape? Do I want out of this temptation? Or do I kind of like where this is going? Jesus resisted temptation. Can I just say this too? As believers in Jesus Christ, if you are one, I am one, I never, ever, ever have to sin. Mm -mm. It's always a choice. I choose to yield to temptation. You say, wait, wait a minute, aren't there times? Well, listen, what's the Word of God say? 1 John 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you, not, that you don't sin. But if you do, we have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the Apostle John was one of the disciples of Christ, and he's writing this to believers, and he said, you know what? My little children, you never have to sin. But when you do, we still have an advocate with the Father. We still have Jesus. And he is the righteous one, and he will... 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First of all, we can resist temptation, but when we don't, there's still help. <laughs> there's still hope for us. We don't have to beat ourselves up or sit in our mess. We can confess it because we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one interceding for us on our behalf before the Father. That's just good news. Isn't it? That good news? Some of you have given into temptation this past week. Whatever that is. I don't know what it is. And you come here this morning, you're feeling guilty and shamed and embarrassed. Maybe nobody even knows. Maybe somebody does know. And you're going, oh, man, I did it again. I said I would never. Well, stop beating yourself up. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Confess that to him and be cleansed. And if you've sinned against somebody, go to that person and ask their forgiveness. You've got to do that too. Jesus resisted temptation. We can resist temptation. Number three, Jesus pleased the Father. Did you know there's a verse in the Bible where Jesus said, John 8, 29, I always do those things that please the Father. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that? Well, I can't, neither can you. But he could. He always did those things that pleased the Father, and he pleased the Father by doing his will, obeying his word, and having fellowship with him. That's how he pleased the Father. And, and we can please our Heavenly Father whenever we talk to him. That pleases him. Whenever we read his word and listen to him, that pleases him. Whenever we obey him, that pleases him. Whenever we make sacrifices of praise to him, that pleases him. It's pleasing to him. The question is, how much do you want to please God? Really. And there are times when it's not even on my mind. I'm not even thinking about pleasing him. I'm just thinking about pleasing myself. But Jesus always pleased the Father. 
And so can we. We can please the Father too. And that's what it's like to walk like Him, to walk in the Spirit. Go to Mark chapter 3. I think this is one that oftentimes is overlooked when it comes to how Jesus lived and how He walked um, and how to keep in step with the Spirit. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Jesus has been on the mount. He's been praying because it's time to select the twelve. And uh, it says in verse 13 that he went up on the mountain. He called, to him, he called to him those he desired. I want you to notice that. Jesus called to him those he desired to be with him. And, he, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. One of the ways Jesus walked that we can walk is uh, he had fellowship with others. Jesus prioritized being with others other believers. He chose these twelve. Now granted, he chose these twelve men. This is a record of how he chose the twelve. And to be with him, notice that? He chose them that they might be with. Listen, lest we forget this, if God has chosen you, if God has saved you, the reason he did that was yes, so that your sins would be forgiven, the penalty of sin would be gone. But did you ever think about this? God chose you to be with Him. He wants your fellowship. He wants you to desire Him. And Jesus, He desired to be with these men. Fellowship was a priority in His life. Um, are you purposefully with other believers on a regular basis, other than Sunday mornings, or in the dorm, okay? I mean, some, sometimes like I can't help but be in fellowship, you know, go to church, live in a dorm, go to chapel, you know, whatever that might be. I'm, no, I mean, other than those times when it's like you can't avoid it, you have to be there. How do you purposefully, Jesus purposefully chose these men to be in his life? And I want to say, we're not going to turn to Acts chapter 2, but in Acts chapter 2, it says that on the day of Pentecost, the, the believers, the, they devoted themselves, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to the prayers and to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. That was like one of the big four. The, the Apostles' Doctrine, prayers, the breaking of bread, and fellowship. Now, later in, that, later in that chapter, and I'll read these verses, they may be on the screen too. It says that all believers... Huh. I don't think this is the right slide, is it? No. No. Sorry. Um... We wanted keeping in step with the Spirit, not walking in the Spirit. Okay, I've got it here, but it's too late. <laughs> All right. 
So just listen to me. Eyes, eyes right up here, okay? I just realized that was not what I'm preaching, okay? Okay, that's fine. Acts chapter 2, we read these verses. All the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I mean, they just loved hanging together. They wanted to be together. They were together. And I think most of you probably like that too, right? You like being together with other believers. I mean, you've got to have your alone time, but for the most part, it's like, yeah. So what's that look like in your life? How do you intentionally fellowship with other people? How are you with other believers? Um, so my wife and I, during the summer months, we've done this for nine summers in a row, uh, our church, which is Shawnee Hills Baptist Church, we have what we call family life groups on Sunday nights during the summer. And we're the host of one of those. So every Sunday night, and on our patio behind our house, 20 to 25 people gather of all generations, ages, stages of life, and we just come together for about two, two and a half hours. But we have an agenda. The agenda is this. We, we study the passage that was preached that morning. We make personal application to that. And uh, that takes about an hour or so. And then we pray together. We share prayer requests. We pray, and everybody does this, even the little kiddies. Are the kid, they're there. They're part of that. Okay, we don't exclude them. We want them part of that. And then, what do you think we do thirdly? Guess. We eat. Right, okay? There's food. And, and we end by everybody brings something. There's usually some kind of a theme that we're doing, you know. One Sunday night, it's breakfast, so everybody eats breakfast food, okay? We have a guy in our church, and he loves to smoke and grill and barbecue. And one Sunday night, we just turn that over to him. And then we bring the sides, okay? Listen, that is fellowship. We're in the Word. We're praying together. We're eating together. That's what they did here. I don't know how many years my wife and I have very intentionally tried to make sure that at least one Sunday a month around our dinner table, there are 10 other people other than the two of us. And we like to have students there, and we have other people there. We try to get people together that don't know each other and connect them like that. That's just another way of doing it. You can do it one-on-one, -on -one, you can do it as couples, but the question, how do you do it? How, how do you practice fellowship with others? Fellowship keeps us in step. Fifthly, Jesus did the Father's will. Matthew 26, 39, Jesus said, Not my will, but yours be done. I mean, that was his heartbeat, really. John chapter 4, Jesus told the woman at the well, My food is to do the will of my Father. That's what keeps, that's what really drives me. Not my will, but, but yours be done. God's will mattered most, whatever the cost. And so if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to walk like Christ, we need to prioritize God's will in our life. Not my will, but yours. By the way, in the New Testament, sometimes we think, well, how do you know the will of God? I don't know, a number of years ago, I realized 
God has not left us guessing about this. What's God's will for my life? To be sexually pure. 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God that you, obtain, you abstain from sexual immorality. This is the will of God. And your sanctification. To submit to those in authority over you. This is the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2. To rejoice evermore. To pray without ceasing. To in everything give thanks. For this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's like, you know what? Why waste so much time and energy wondering what God's will is when God has laid it out? And you know what? If you will do what you know to do, He'll bring in the rest of it. He'll fill in the blanks. Just do what you know we're supposed to do. And Jesus did that. He did the Father's will. Here's a verse that my wife brought to my attention just this week. It's Psalm 143.10. It's not going to be on the screen, okay? But here, listen to this verse, okay? Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will. We need to be taught, don't we? Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Level ground. No potholes, no bumps, no roots. Just, it's not like walking John Bryan Park, okay? We're, we're talking level ground. That's keeping in step. That's asking the Lord, please direct my steps. Lead me on level ground. Keep me in step with you. And sixthly, and this is the last one, Jesus was obedient. He was just flat out obedient. And we can be too. You say, well, he could not be obedient. Yeah, but he showed us how to be obedient. You say, well, how did he do that? Listen to this. Hebrews 5.8. Listen to this. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Oh. Are you suffering something hard right now? You facing some kind of a hardship or trial? I don't know, probably, some of us are. You know what God wants to do with that? He wants to teach you obedience. He wants you to learn obedience. Just like Jesus did through the things that he suffered. It's easy to obey when life is easy, life's comfortable. It's easy, it's hard, it's tough when life is hard and tough. Obedience builds confidence. So life in the Spirit is walking by the Spirit day by day. Just, it's like walking. Put one foot in front of the next, walking. Just keep walking. And it's, it's walking by the Spirit day by day. It's being led by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, keeping a step with the Spirit. It's not easy. It's not easy. Sometimes it's very inconvenient, very uncomfortable to live the way God wants us to live. Sometimes it is. But it's always good. And that's what God blesses. God blesses someone who is set as his or her goal in life to walk like Jesus and to keep in step with the Spirit by the grace of God. And I want you to listen to this personal testimony. Uh, unqualified commitment to Christ. It's simply called, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The love of God controls me. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, slight walking, small planning, smooth and ease, colorless dreams, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed roles. I no longer need prosperity, position, promotion, preeminence, or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk in His patience, live by prayer, and labor with power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is God's kingdom. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few. My guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adver adversaries, negotiate at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, spoken up for the cause of Christ. I must go until he comes. Give until I drop. Teach until all I know. Run until he stops me. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. When I was a new believer, a man who discipled me, I was 21 years old when I got saved. He said, Dave, the Christian life it's not easy. But it's the best life there is. It's the best life there is. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for showing us in your word how Jesus walked. You didn't just tell us where to walk like he walked. You showed us how to walk like he walked. And Lord, I pray that this has brought encouragement to the hearts of your people. I pray, Father, that you would help us to maybe take one of these at a time and just say, Lord, help me to be more intentional about having fellowship with other believers. Help me to know how to resist temptation in my life. Show me how your word and prayer just counters that in my life. Father, I've been so hit and miss in my daily quiet times. There, there are more sporadic than daily. But if I'm going to walk like Jesus, help me to help me to do that. Show me how to do show me where to do that, when to do that. Lord, there there's so many ways that we I'm, I'm sure I hadn't even covered this morning as far as how Jesus walked, but this much we do know. He showed us how to do it. And the Spirit of God enables us to do it. And by the grace of God we can do this. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.